Welcome to Focus Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome back for the 17th installment of our Extra Lore series, recorded live on August 2nd, 2017 on Twitch.tv. Big shout out to the live chat here. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. Our topic for this chat is going to be an introductory look into the Horizon Zero Dawn series. This is your host, Blue Crew 86 Alongside me, we have the man who it has been said has the voice of a flower, Justin Sane 0516. Justin, what are your thoughts on the topic tonight? Uh, my thoughts are, I, I was really upset with this game because I was all ready to play it. I went on Xbox Live, <laughs> I went to the marketplace, and I was just looking for like hours and hours. Probably time I should have been spent prepping, but instead, just looking for this game, and it's, this game is a myth. It doesn't exist. There was, there was zero dawning on, on your... There was zero. <laughs> Zero. But um, in, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, this title is like one of the few um, that I've seen that would actually make me spring for the PS4 just just because it looks really cool. Hmm. I can I can understand that. Um, be sure to let Mel know that we miss her over on Twitter at the wind of the stars. Life has proven to be pretty hectic for her lately, and we want to show her our support while she's getting everything sorted up. Also, we have with us our resident Gunter extraordinaire, green-eyed music lover. Green, hope you're ready for the shenanigans tonight. I know uh, the internet connection is is plaguing you. Uh, what are your thoughts on the topic tonight? <laughs> My thoughts are this is a game that I actually it actually convinced Julie to... Huh. Okay, so I don't hold the money purse. I don't hold the purse in the family. And so when I was watching the movie for this kind of prepping for it, Julie was watching it with me and she really, really liked it. So this game convinced her to get a PS4. My wife who does not play video games wanted to buy a video game <laughs> console because of a movie version of it that we watched. So I'm sold. Good job. I, 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 I like, Good job. I like playing it. It's fun. It's a fun one. And it is gorgeous. It's a gorgeous <laughs> game. And, of course, for these topics, we always want to make sure we have someone who is well-versed in the lore. With that being said, I want to welcome Infested Potato. Potato, how is everything going for you tonight? It's going real good. Uh, happy to be here. Excited. Uh, cool. Yeah. And can can you let us know where people can find you and what got you into the Horizon Zero Dawn series? Um, you can find me on the Xbox at uh, Infested Potato, same way as it's in the uh, Discord. I jump between channels every day, and uh, you can just message me if you want to talk or whatever you want to talk about. Um, usually, you'll find me in the uh, extra lore or the focus fire chat, though. That's where I mainly hang out. Um, on Twitter, same thing. You can find me, Infested Potato, I'm right there. And uh, that's about it, yeah. Perfect. I'm everywhere. And as as for uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, Horizon Zero Dawn's been, been on my radar since it first trailered at uh, E3. And... I don't even know who it was. I think it was like two years ago. I think it was like 2015 when it first trailered. Mm -hmm. um, there was that first time you saw Aloy sliding down the thing, uh, down the rope, and uh, she was going after a herd of the machines, and she ended up like ticking them off. And then all of a sudden, giant mechanical T Rex comes out from uh, through the trees, and, you're, and that was like, "Yep, I need, I need to check this game out." <laughs> um, 
I actually didn't have a PS4 until the beginning of this last year. My wife was uh, nice enough to gift me with one. And uh, I immediately, as soon as it released, I was like, yep, I'm going to go pick this up. And I've been playing it ever since. But if I'm truthful, I'm actually only on the last mission of the campaign. I was kind of playing it all day. I didn't realize how far behind I was campaign-wise. And because... I'm one of those guys that I'm very easily distracted by shiny objects. And this game has a lot of shiny objects. So. Well, yeah, there's, there's machines. Yeah. They're all shiny, right? Yeah. But it, and, uh, I'd be going to like, I'd have to force myself to go do a campaign mission. Cause I like, yeah, I'm going to go do the campaign mission. Oh, look, a giant shiny robot. Let's go poke that with a stick. <laughs> and that would be like the next two hours of my life is just messing with that machine and figuring out what's going on. And, just there's so many yeah like uh black flag said in the chat there's so many side quests there's so many little side stories that you can dive into that just like you, by the time you come out you're like oh wait there's still a main mission i have to go to <laughs> nice right, well let's run through the intro real quick with all the housekeeping notes and then we're going to jump into i think we did we decide we're going to do the game timeline or the actual chronological timeline I think we should stick with the game timeline. Okay, okay, perfect. Well, let's jump through the intro real quick, and then we'll we'll start it up. Before we start off the chat, however, I do have a few housekeeping notes. In our last Extra Lore episode, we discussed the Halo series. If you missed that and have any interest in hearing our thoughts, please be sure to check out the new www.focusfirechat.com for archives of all previous chats, links to the other aspects of Focus Fire Chat out in the internet, and a growing collection of community articles. If you don't mind, please give us some feedback on iTunes to let us know how we're doing, as well as helping us continue to grow. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. With the Extra Lore series, we delve into a game series other than Destiny for a full month, giving the group a chance to get a feel for the other games that our community loves to play. We try to stream a recap of this month-long conversation in the first week of each month. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network, found at theguardiansofdestiny.com. These include Guardian Radio, the first and longest-running Destiny podcast on the net, Guardian 1, Ghosts and Echoes, which also has the Destiny audio grimoire, and the network's newest edition, a non-Destiny podcast, Paragon Radio. Our next extra lore is going to be a discussion on the lore of Final Fantasy, so be sure to jump into the Discord server and weigh in. With that, Potato, would you kindly start us off with a general summary on the information that we have about Horizon Zero Dawn? All right, so let's get this party started. Um, so you start the game off as soon as you actually hit the enter screen. It's a cutscene which shows a character known as Rost, who we'll, we'll go into a little bit later here. Um, he is holding a, a child, a little baby. And he is on this cliffside, and he's approached by it was a, one of the one of the matriarchs of a tribe called the Nora, and they are kind of a nomadic people of the area. They have a lot of influences you can tell in their garb by Native American as well as just really early uh, caveman, very um, heavy wearing clothes like lots of furs and things like that. And the matriarch says that she has to proclaim a name for the child as some sort of uh, birth ritual. And there's some uh, contest. Uh, what's the word? Uh, there's some contention. Contention. Thank you. There's some contention between one of the matriarchs and, 
or so, several of the matriarchs and the lead matriarch, um, whose name is unfortunately eluding me at the moment. I think it's uh, Tersa. Yeah. Um, so Aloy goes above the cliff. She says, proclaim the name, and he shouts out, Aloy. Aloy is uh, kind of cut, we cut, jump forward a little bit, and we jump to Aloy as a child. We find out that Rost and Aloy are actually what are considered outcasts of the the Nora tribe, and part of that being an outcast is they're not allowed to interact or be friends with um, any of the Nora in the main village. Uh, so the, the village people won't talk to them, won't even look at them, they'll throw rocks at them if they get too close. It's not a fun way to live. Aloy is uh, kind of upset about being shunned from the village. She's trying to figure out you know, how to make her way in the world. Uh, in doing so, she runs away from a of kids that were throwing rocks at her, and she falls into this cavern. Um, the cavern is full. It's like part part cave and then part metal, and it's obviously some sort of old structure. And what she's actually fallen into is a ruin of what would be pretty much our world. Um, it's an old metal structure. It's super technologically advanced. It's, there's holographic screens. Um, and she finds this piece of technology on the ground, and it's actually attached to a body, she finds out, and freaks her out for a second. Um, the little piece of device she takes is, we learn, is called a focus, and she puts it in her ear, and from what we can tell throughout the game is the focus actually plays a really important part. It's, uh, it's almost like uh, the, uh, their version of cell phones in their time. Not the time that Aloy's in, but the time before, uh, obviously, all this travesty and the apocalypse pretty much happened. It um, functions much like yeah. a UI for a video yeah. game. It mm -hmm. shows up things on screen that you wouldn't normally get to see. So things from the past, things from uh, pre-recorded. You get to see weaknesses, machine weaknesses. You can see different resources with it. it just uh, It's a UI for the game that is actually written into the story of the game. Oh, so it just gives you a HUD type deal? A little bit more than that, because you can toggle it on and off. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a pretty... Oh, go ahead, sorry. Oh, I was going to say, so it's like a useful, mutable Navi. Yes. Yeah. It overlays the entire screen with what looks like stuff from Tron, you think about the, like the beams of light from Tron mm -hmm. that show up all over the place. That is kind of what it does. It maps out everything very much Matrix-like and allows you to see more clearly things that are there that people wouldn't normally pick up unless they were trained to pick it up. So basically, that, basically, this is encouraging me to pick up the game. Yeah. It's, yes. It's... <laughs> Sorry, sorry, it's, uh, potato. It's, 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 no, it's fine. It's fine. It's it's as soon as I figured started figuring out. Like I'm still learning the functions of this game. Like I'm turn that focus. Um, like she said, it lets you see other things around you. Um, she could see like data ports. You know, things of these. Like it, it's almost like there was a uh, like a worldwide cloud. Like you know, a super effective, like super efficient cloud network that spanned the entire globe. Like super internet for the whole globe when uh the what will be referred to as the old ones which is like the advanced part of our civilization before it collapsed um, but you can also see like the machines in the distance you can see uh turkeys and boars and birds that you can hunt uh around you um and like like green said you can uh 
look at the like the ground and see like footprints or blood marks and pieces of armor or something like that that may have been left by another character um it's it's a pretty useful tool and you, you use it a lot during the game because it actually allows you to find like i said data points that actually turns into almost like grimoire cards from destiny little snippets of the story from a back when before the apparent apocalypse so. Yeah, definitely. So after Aloy finds the focus, she kind of finds her way out of this cave, and Rost finds her and basically berates her a little bit or just kind of gets onto her because to the Nora tribe, the tribe that Rost was originally from and that Aloy is originally from, even though they're outcast, the metal world, which is anything that has to do with the machines, is sacred. And they're not allowed to go in those areas. They're not supposed to go in those areas. And that's essentially what Aloy just did. She dropped into a abandoned area that was of the metal world or the world that came before, I think, post-apocalyptic. And yeah, so we learned that the, she is kind of different from most Nora and that she wants to keep the focus even when Ross tells her that he wants it and he's, that she's not supposed to have it she keeps a hold of it and starts to learn from it throughout the game um, following that we you want to get into kind of the setup for the proving sure um, after she finds the focus, makes her way out, like uh, Green said, and uh, gets berated by Ross. Starts asking questions of Ross, and Ross is always distant of giving her direct answers. You know, he's kind of wants her to figure it out for herself in some things. And she's asking questions like, where's my mom? You know, where did I come from? Why am I an outcast? You know, what, what did we do wrong? And Ross reveals to her that Nora go through what is called approving which in ancient cultures would pretty much be like a coming of age challenge. Like um, I can't think of a good example off the top of my head. Um, you know, it's, it's some sort of daunting physical task. And so and she learns that whoever wins the proving gets to ask the matriarchs any question they want. And they also become a member of, of the Nora, even if they were an outcast, they are welcomed back to the Nora. Um, right. And, and you just have to finish the proving to become part of the tribe. Right. The proving is to, to determine which of the Nora children can possibly become a brave of the Nora, which is their military type. They're not militaristic, but like uh, ranger type force. And whoever wins, like uh, Potato was saying, is granted a boon. Not necessarily a question answered, but in Aloy's uh, case, it is a question. She wants to know where she came from because the reason she's outcast in the first place is because she is motherless. She has no mother and she's been called that most of her childhood and shunned because of it. And she wants to know why, and she wants to know who that person is or why she was left. So after that, she kind of, there's a section where she gets upset because a, a child of the tribe kind of starts throwing rocks at her and calling her names and picks on her a little bit. And she determines that she wants to know why she's different, like I was saying. So she demands of Rost to be able to be trained to win the proving. And so there's a really cool cut scene where you see her learning just kind of a montage of going through 
and learning things. So you have her at probably like five or six years old. Mm -hmm. I can't remember exactly what age she is at this point. Just struggling, struggling, struggling. And then towards the end is the end of her training. It immediately cuts from six to 19 years of age. And she's well-versed in archery and hand-to-hand and tracking and hunting and climbing and everything that she would need to be a good Nora Brave. Stabbing watchers in the face. Yes. Now, do you want to talk about the machines a little bit? Uh, yeah, I think that's kind of an important part of the game is uh, these giant mechanical things that are walking around. Tyrannosaurus rexes and bulls and... So they are completely inorganic, right? Yes, they are completely inorganic from what we can uh, from what we can tell. Uh, we learn later on that some models of these machines biofuel. They have a emergency um, they have an emergency function that allows them to convert biomass into fuel, which is actually a very big important part of how the world ended up the way it is. Um, so the machines. It's not the we machines see. that were created after that no, yeah, have it. The so, for, yeah. yeah, the machines that were created before the apocalyptic event happened, it, they are the ones that have the ability to convert biomass into energy and turn it into weapons and stuff like that. So the ones that we see in game, for the most part, and especially in the beginning and most of the opening sections, are all newly created machines that are created for very specific purposes. Um, to expand on that, yeah. So we see these machines. Machines, got it. Um, the machines are. So in essence, the, the the whole reason that the machines are actually here, with the exception of a pre-apocalyptic times, is these machines are terraformers, and the machines are actually part of a giant terraforming effort that was put out prior to or as or post post the apocalypse by an ai we learn about later on uh, i don't know if you want to go into that now or should i just expand on that now or save well, that for later what we can do is we can just give a quick brief rundown of what happened so aloy mm -hmm. trains to the proving wins the proving then another tribe comes in and slaughters everybody except for like aloy and a few people and she is sent out by the heads of the tribe to go and figure out what's going on. Like, why did this happen? And she's deemed a seeker. So they um, they take her essentially into the, the center of the mountain because they live kind of in the Colorado area, if I remember correctly, as far as the geography of it. Yep, and Colorado Springs. So which is kind of ironic for you. Um, mm -hmm. So they they go into the mountain and they see, Aloy sees where she was found. She was not born. She was found inside the mountain in front of this doorway, which the doorway looks like Atheon's doorway slightly. It's very triangular base. And it scans her. It goes, uh, identi scan happening and it gives her like a 99.4 percent match to something but you don't know what but it this says the file is corrupted and the door doesn't open and so that sends her out on the seekers mission to find out a how can she get into the door 
and B to find out what's going on with this tribe that attacked her tribe and killed all the people that basically went through the proving with her are all now dead. So she's trying to figure out those two things in that she starts to go out and start finding different, finding different bunkers that have been abandoned for the most part. And she starts to pick up tidbits of what happened before the, the event. I'll just call it the event for now. And that's where we start to learn about the different AI characters. Mm-hmm. You want to start that one? Um, so overarching in all of the AIs would be Gaia or Gaia Prime um, or Gaia, depending on how you want to say it. Um, Gaia was a super intelligent, uh, full AI that was pretty much completely sentient from my from how I've taken it. She had feelings. She was – she – was pretty much a living being and Gaia was in charge of pretty much re-terraforming the earth after what happened during the event. Um, she, she had nine, I think it was nine subroutines. Uh, I believe it was nine, nine subroutines that were in charge of like, they were in charge of tasks so that Gaia wouldn't have to do it all at the time. So, like uh, Hephaestus was in charge of over, which cauldrons are like these uh, factories for machines. Any machines that Gaia could dream up or that Gaia would need to help re-terraform the planet. You have Hades, which was in charge of, if for some reason the terraforming effort failed, was in charge of wiping out all the terraforming efforts so Gaia could start again. There was Apollo, which was a depository, a repository for all of the collected uh, information of mankind. And they even went as far as like setting like pretty much levels for the people that would come after, after the event to like so they could like learn basic arithmetic and then move on to algebra and then calculus and things like that it was the entire history of mankind uh there was several others which i'm having trouble finding here for a second there's aether poseidon demeter artemis eleuthia and the other ones that you had mentioned minerva is another one so the reason why this ai was created is because of what happened with the the faro disease is what's what it's brought up as and she discovers this because she finds a section she scans and it says 350,000 days overdue for meeting with faro glitch in chariot line peacekeepers so you find out that faro ted faro is this incredibly smart but just business savvy guy who created these different machines back in like 20 2040 if i remember correctly i can't remember exactly Mm -hmm. what year it's around that time but so faro creates these machines and then there's a glitch that happens within the coding of it and this glitch caused for some of the the things that would make the machines not be deadly to everybody like keep them from self-replicating keep the machines from um, being able to use biomass fuel unless absolutely needed keep the machines from there was one other thing that it keep them from doing uh fuel by divine can't deactivate them due to 
polyphasic entangled waveform. So they couldn't actually deactivate the coding or any of the events that were happening with these machines. So the machines basically started consuming the earth, everything, plants, humans, worms, bugs, anything they can get their hands on, they started completely and utterly destroying. And it was projected that they only had 15 months to live. So Project Zero Dawn was the project that Faro and a very important character, Elizabeth Sobeck, they created to help not necessarily save the human race, but make sure that the human race would endure eventually. And so Dr. Elizabeth Sobeck is a very, very important character because she is originally the DNA sample in which we later find out that is Aloy. And she gathers together the brightest minds in the entire planet to create this AI setup. Now, Gaia is the only AI at this point. Everything underneath her, Hades, Minerva, Hephaestus, Aether, Poseidon, Demeter, Artemis, all of them, they're subroutines. They're not actually sentient at all. And so they they created these AI and then we find out that let's see here. I'm losing my place in the notes a little bit. Uh yeah. your hat the uh, the uh, pro the actual like initiation of project. Okay, so they initiated it and the they Elizabeth Sobeck had to essentially sacrifice herself to close the door so the project would stay whole. So she jumps out and does that and eventually dies in the process. And they find out that the earth is completely overrun, completely everything's destroyed. There's bunkers that they, the people who worked on Zero Dawn, they, everyone was dead. Everyone was killed. And we find out that Faro actually kind of sort of sabotages part of Zero Dawn. Do you want to talk about that a little bit, Potato? Yeah, so later on towards the end of the game, which it jumps ahead a little bit, but like I said, Ted Faro was like, she nailed it on the head. He was a very savvy businessman. He was incredibly, he was really intelligent. Um, he was the leader of the Pharos Automated Solution. They were the pretty much like the what would you call it? Like they're one of the top. They were like the richest corporation in the world. They made everything from eventually to these huge war machines, which yeah. would spell the end of mankind. Um, well, the end of mankind for now. Yeah. And would eventually go on to you know he was very successful. He eventually brought on Elizabeth Sobeck as she was hired as she was hired as a uh, joints. Uh, she was a junior scientist with uh, Ferros Automated Solution FAS. Um, she was she was paramount in helping develop the cleanup solutions for the Earth because the Earth was in a pretty bad state prior to that. And eventually, she became the chief scientist. Faro noticed that, and he then started to shift. Uh, Far automated solutions towards military tech, or what he disliked to call peacekeepers, he refused to call them war machines. Um, Elizabeth got mad at this and eventually left. 
she left uh, FAS and went on to do her own thing. She wanted to, she started developing like really green, kind of like green powered uh, robotics technologies, stuff that would obviously later on uh, help her with Gaia. And uh, Faro continued to obviously acquire more wealth and get a little more powerful. And he eventually realized what was going on with one of his military uh, swarms, as they were called, the swarms of robots, and eventually called uh, Elizabeth back in to try to help fix the problem. Uh, Faro had insisted that on on his military swarms, the chariot line have no sort of back door, like uh, into the code, so they couldn't be shut off if something went wrong, and therefore the swarm kind of glitched, took over itself, like uh, like she said, like uh, Green said, and proceeded to pretty much annihilate the human race. Faro uh, helped fund the Project Zero Dawn. At this point, though, he's starting to have really serious regrets about what happened. Obviously, he was responsible for the, well, ultimately responsible for the annihilation of the human race. And he agreed, you know, oh, Project Zero Dawn's great. Project Zero Dawn's great. And then right as Zero Dawn was kind of starting to take effect and they were starting to get ready to re-terraform the planet, he decided he didn't he decided that oh we're not we shouldn't give the future the humans to come any sort of knowledge they don't des- uh, they shouldn't get the knowledge the knowledge is and so he sucked all the air out of the remaining out of the out of the chamber where the remaining scientists or what was called the alpha the alpha scientists in the uh, zero dawn bunker he killed them in hopes that it would prevent zero dawn from completing itself and that the humans that would come after them wouldn't suffer the same fate that he had done. His quote was saying, sometimes to protect the innocent. And he then vented the entire room of oxygen, killing that team. And we don't know what happens to him after that, but hes we're assuming he's dead. I mean, he could still be alive. There's mention of attempts in cryogenics, but they were still having issues with it. That's brought up. It's very partially noted somewhere in the game. It's but hundreds of years know. later, but it's yeah. it's it's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the things, okay, so kind of c- closing some of the gaps a little bit. The reason why Aloy was able to start finding these bunkers in the first place is because she encounters a, probably the most important, I don't know if I would call him a good guy, bad guy type characters in the game voiced by none other than the voice actor who does the Vala for Destiny Mm -hmm. is the character Silence. And she meets Silence fairly early on as just a mysterious voice. He talks to her through her focus, which is not a common thing. Like you don't, you don't see that most of the time, at least when it comes to Aloy, because she's never used it that way. Now we find out later on that some of the other tribes, like the Karja, which is the tribe that attacked the Nora tribe originally, they use focuses pretty regularly and they communicate orders over vast distances using a focus network. But Silence starts talking to Aloy and giving her hints on how she's going to be able to fix the the entry into the door. And the way she has to do that is she has to repair by getting the alpha registry master file. And she has to go into these different bunkers. So she learns about Horizon Zero Dawn through going into these bunkers. And she learns about the AI. And she finally gets the master file. But then she's captured by a a shadow group called the Eclipse. Um, They're part of the Karja 
kind of sort of not really like they're a subgroup of the Karja, like a cult of the Karja and she's captured by them. And there's a guy from the very, very beginning who tried to kill her originally, who actually sliced open her neck a little bit at the very beginning of the game, who tries to kill her again by putting her essentially into a gladiatorial ring with a very large and angry rhinoceros type machine that has been controlled and uh, what corrupted that has mm-hmm. been corrupted by these machines that they had resurrected called corruptors. These, and these are, are some of the original machines from Barrow's day that they had brought back and resurrected because we have a bad guy that's going to start showing up in the game. So the corruptors come out and they corrupt these normal m- machines that were created by Gaia. It was which a is behemoth. Like a behemoth, yeah. It, yeah. I, I, I always think of it like the rhino because that's mm-hmm. literally what its attack was. It was a charge yeah. attack. But um, so she's attacked by the behemoth. She survives that for the most part. And then Silence rides in and rescues her. So he, she finally meets him face to face. I don't remember if this is the first time she meets him. Is it? I can't remember. I think, I think it's, yeah, I think it's the first time he actually appears. So Zavala plays like a Han fun. Solo character in this. It's pretty <laughs> cool. I don't know if I'd say he's a Han Solo character because Han say Solo he's... has redeeming qualities. Yeah, no, that yeah, I can agree with that. So okay, and... you want to talk about Silence a little bit before we start pushing forward with the story? Sure. Uh, do you want me to just do his backstory, like where he kind of it kind of, it'll kind yeah. of expand on some of the other ones? Um, yeah, because he's Silas, in part to blame for in... some of this these problems, huh? Mm-hmm. Yes, very much so. He's he set out with intentions, and things kind of interesting. So uh, Silas is an interesting character along the lines because he kind of I see him as identifying with uh, I think maybe like a chaotic neutral or something like that. He he doesn't set out to create chaos. He's and so Silas was in the, you know, he was in this world. He's, uh, he was actually part of his tribe. I don't think his tribe is ever actually revealed. Um, he was, he Banuk? was part of, was he the well, Banuk? He, was he part of the Banuk? Cause I know he worked with the Karja cause he was the one who established yeah. the shadow, the shadow Karja or the eclipse. He established the eclipse, at, but he was, he was already an outcast from. And that's how he kind of came upon them. Well, right. it says uh, on the fandom wiki, Banuk is unrecorded. Okay. That's wow, it's cool. No, it's it works. Where the heck is it? Uh, I lost my place. Sorry. So, Silence' main draw for everything he does in the game is he wants to understand. He wants to learn. Hmm. everything every move he makes in game is for the purpose of him learning something or learning more about the history of what happened or learning more about Aloy or learning more about the different AI that's his entire driving driving force throughout the entire game even towards the end which we'll find out a little bit later on how that ends up but so, so Silas oh, oh, go ahead no, go ahead. 
Um, so like I said, he was, he's going through the world. He's trying to, he's dedicated his life trying to understand, understand the old ones, the old ones civilization, their technology, why the machines, why they are the way they are, why the machines are suddenly violent towards humanity because they used to not be before another event. Um, so he's, he's going along, he discovers, um, probably one of the first focuses and he spends weeks trying to repair it. He finally does repair it and he's, you know, using it to kind of explore the technology and he just comes across a very weak signal. The signal, he kind of follows it and eventually he discovers what turns out to be one of Gaia's subroutines called Hades. So to explain, and he starts having, he eventually, uh, repairs he or I believe he repairs Hades or one of his communication devices a little bit and starts having a conversation with Hades. Hades is promising him endless technology, you know, the the wonders of the old world. He's he's offering him everything he's ever wanted in return for doing some of Hades bidding. And Hades wants him to repair some of the repair more focuses and start spreading them out among um especially among the the shadow the, the Karja and the Shadow Karja. He wants them to. He wants to start. Hades essentially wants to set up his command and control. It's, if you're looking at it as a a, mili- a military side of things, he's uh, trying to gather intelligence, and he keeps bringing up. He starts showing the people how to resurrect these old machines, the the Pharaoh Plague machines, which are like the chariot line machines, which we turn out to be the Corrupter and the uh, I think it's Deathbringer, and then you have the Horus class. Uh, what they refer to as the Metal Devil, which is like a Titan class. It's a very big machine, which we don't actually ever see moving in the game. Um, so he... it might be a little confusing because beforehand I said that Hades is only a subroutine. And originally, Hades was a subroutine. Him and all the other god-type names except for Gaia were subroutines of Gaia and functioned completely under her. Mm-hmm. But about 20 years ago, right before Aloy was born, Gaia Prime, which is the main AI center, received a data transmission of unknown origins. Its immediate effect was to transform the sub subordinate functions into unregulated self-aware entities of a highly chaotic nature. It then awakened Hades' function, which seized control of the terraforming system and reversed and started to reverse operations, rendering life on Earth extinct in possibly 58.53.8 days. So all of the subroutines that were still left, because remember, hate, or Apollo is completely decimated because Faro deleted it essentially before it got there. Mm-hmm. All the other subroutines were given AI status. They became completely aware and broke off of the Gaia routine. Gaia had no control over them. She couldn't tell them anything. They just completely detached from her and were able to both physically and uh, electronically do things on their own. So Hades is an AI, self-aware at this point, but its main function still exists. Its main function is to destroy. Now, it hasn't had the regulatory factor of Gaia telling him you don't need to because everything turned out fine because Hades mm-hmm. wasn't supposed to go into effect unless something was wrong with creation. 
but there's nothing wrong with creation. Now he's an AI doing whatever he wants at this point. So that's why Hades is actually considered kind of a bad guy at this point, because he's literally, he's moving everybody around. The Karja, the Shadow Karja, Silence, he's using them as pawns to get what he wants, which is to resurrect all of the old machines that ate biomass and completely destroy everything again. That's his whole purpose. And that's what he's trying to do. And he's controlling everybody get to get there. Perfect. That's actually a perfect segue. Um, uh, so like she said, like she said, Hades kind of became self-aware and he, he, uh, Silas is still communicating with him. He, uh, from like, like he learned as to say it says uh he learned uh physics computer engineering calculus and he was instrumental in helping a faction known as the eclipse cult to serve hades um he developed the focus network that allowed the eclipse to members to communicate and see what others were looking at um silas was a little wary of hades motivation and so he actually created a back door into the focus network the communications network so he could listen to all of the communications within the next in the network and he again he continued to help them resurrect the uh, old machines from the uh the the pharaoh plague um after he completed the focus network and he began to question hades like for awakening all the pharaoh robots and stuff like that hades decided that uh silas was no longer useful and ordered his death silas managed to escape and he's been on the run pretty much ever since from hades and his influence he then starts learning about uh Aloy's existence during actually during Aloy's proving. Aloy encounters a character named Olin, and Olin actually has a focus. This is the first time Aloy's seen anyone else in the world with a, with a focus. And that immediately, since Hades is in that network, he immediately that she is like a genetic descendant of Elizabeth um, Sebek. So Go, ahead, Go for it. Go for oh, okay. it. Okay. Yep. So, like tying back to Aloy's proving, she uh, they try to uh, the the Eclipse cult tries to come and kill uh, Aloy at Hades' command. Hades realizes that this is you know Gaia's last attempt to try to stop him from carrying out his function. And like she said, since he is a fully functioning AI, he's just going off of his programming he's like the world has to end i don't care what's still here he's going at it uh, so she, the, way she, she, the, the way she that gaia does this is she actually orders her prime reactor which holds her as well to overload and it just supposedly would destroy hades and but it would also destroy gaia and all the other subroutines in and of itself but because Hades was detached from Gaia during that transmission and everything, Hades was able to escape. Sorry, yes. I didn't mean to jump, jump, no, no. jump back a you're, little bit. You're, you're filling in the gaps that I'm leaving, so I appreciate it. Um, he Silas eventually does start contacting a. He uh. He said he's, he, he eventually reveals that he's kind of been watching her since Olin, the character from before her proving, just before her proving, um, he, when he encountered, or when he first, when Olin first saw her, he saw her as well. Um, <clears throat> he, uh, 
he goes on to really start revealing all of the stuff that happened in the past to Aloy because Aloy is on this path to figure out pretty much what happened to the world at this point. She, he, he doesn't know everything, but he kind of plays it off like he does. He's very arrogant in the way he, or I wouldn't say, I say uh, condescending in the way he, in the way he speaks. You know, he's trying to, he does something similar to what Ross does. He's trying to make sure ask the question. And then if she asks a stupid question, he just kind of berates her. It makes for some actually a pretty funny dialogue. And together with Silas's help, she starts finding these bunkers and finding the connections to Gaia and Hades and all of the other subroutines and the actual what Project Zero Dawn was. Pretty much up like to maybe the maybe the last, I would say, act of the game, the last act. Um, we don't know what Project Zero Dawn was. And I know I'm kind of getting sidetracked. I apologize. Um, it's just a big portion of the of the story is finding out Aloy really wants to know besides you know where she is and what who Elizabeth setback is and this is my mother and she like what is zero dawn and why is it so important and Silas wants to know the same thing so that's really his big motivation he really wants to figure out what happened to the old world he's you know yeah Right, like Potato said, you don't find out exactly what happened. I know we've kind of explained everything that's happened because we're going through and trying to explain what all these things are in a very, very short amount of time. But you <laughs> literally don't find out until you get the Omega clearance, which is the master list that, remember, the registry that was corrupted, that she wasn't able to get into the door. You literally don't find out about Elizabeth Sobeck to the fullest extent and what her story is until you repair that. And the way you do that was getting to get that master clearance list. She goes back, she gets that and goes in there and she learns about all of this. She learns about Elizabeth's death, about how she sacrificed herself because the door didn't shut completely like it was supposed to. And she had to go out and manually shut it in this very, uh, what is that video game called? Biomass? No, Fallout. Very much so in a Fallout Fallout type shoot suit and so we learn about a lot of the emotional stuff that happens in the game who uh Aloy is she's a literally a clone of Elizabeth Sobeck that was from DNA stuff saved by Gaia all these years was not recreated except for after Gaia had to do the self-destruction mode because of the transmission that corrupted everything so we learn Nope, no, I was just, just going to say, does anyone else kind of get the Halsey-Cortana parallel here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it definitely has that feel to it. Except for all the AI in this, even though it has kind of the Halsey-Cortana and the Gaia herself was created by Elizabeth Sobeck. Elizabeth Sobeck was one of the main programmers for Gaia. She she doesn't necessarily have the exact replica aspect that Cortana has of Halsey. Mm-hmm. She, she's definitely her own person because in game she's portrayed as a, a beautiful black woman, whereas Elizabeth Sobeck is what you see in Aloy, a redhead with short hair, a little bit older. Okay. Um. So. We find out that Silence's story. 
Oh, so, okay, we find out finally what Hades is after, and Silence kind of figures it out with the help of Aloy, and they figure it out together. And we find out that Hades is actually after the spires. Now, throughout the world, there's a couple of different spires, which our transmitters think of, like, our radio towers or cell phone towers. And they were originally used by Minerva, which is one of those subroutines. And what Minerva used them for was to shut down deactivate the pharaoh robots but hades wants to use the towers to reverse it to wake them up and start deterraforming everything start destroying everything throughout that so silence and aloy kind of sort of hatch a plan together to figure out how they are going to stop hades from doing that and you want to take over from there potato uh, sure, yeah. So at that point, she, uh, Aloy has all of the pretty much the master override, like Green said, and she realizes that she has to get this information to the Spire that Minerva, or to prevent Hades from, for not for, to, to destroy Hades as well as stop the activation of all the uh, pre, uh, pre terraforming machines. So she does this by – she kind of rallies the tribes. Um, at this point, she's kind of made contact with almost in the, in the game world that we know of, and she sent them to a city that's owned by the Karja called Meridian. Meridian um, is actually built – or it's, I believe it's built or located near one of these spires. And so pretty much all the machines that the Eclipse have amassed – and all of the bad guys that Hades has brought together are on their way to Meridian, and they want to get get Hades to Meridian or get Hades to Meridian so that he can broadcast that reactivation signal. Aloy gets to Meridian, and along with her and her allies, they uh, the final battle begins. There's a hu- it's a huge conflict between these uh, tribes. It's, a lot of explosions, a lot of people dying. You, you lose some uh, some minor characters, like uh, people from the Banak tribe are killed. Um, I know the Nora there. The Nora also come back. The Nora come to help Meridian because uh, Aloy told them to be there and try to help Meridian. And <clears throat> excuse me, the battle ensues. There's Deathbringers. There's corruptors. The corruptors and Deathbringers are the uh, a lot of the are the pharaoh machines that we see are from the uh, before the terraforming event, and he is there. It's an all-out attack on the city, and they're mostly able to hold it back until Hades kind of Hades and his forces break through and make a beeline for the tower. Uh, they overrun the defenders there, and Hades gets into position. He's pretty much in like it almost looks like a what's like the public event from Destiny with the Warsat fault. He almost looks like a smaller minus the spikes and he gets hooked up to the tower that that they've been that he was moving towards and he starts to broadcast this signal uh we have a cut scene where we start seeing all the ancient pharaoh machines start to reawaken they all instantly immediately start trying to convert any biomass in the area into fuel and it looks like things are about to just go the way of the apocalypse again uh, What's been kind of funny is they literally had to drag Hades because Hades is mm-hmm. like what Potato said. He looks like a warsat without the spikes. He's this mass, this 
hairball of fury and red and it's being dragged behind i think one of the deathbringers actually and he's yeah, just he's, pulled, yeah, he's dragged by a deathbringer he's pulled into position and is hooked up and it starts signaling out and so all these other pharaoh machines start waking up there's a really sad cut scene where there's like a little kid playing soccer and this death machine just comes up and starts to to kill the plants that are around the kid and the kid is just like oh no and run yeah so <laughs> that that happens and there's a final battle where you battle a deathbringer if i remember correct it's like a super enhanced deathbringer it's got like a cannon on it it's got like a it's it's a way more upgrade deathbringer than we see throughout the game right so you take it down with the help of some of your friends that you've made because some of these side quests that you do actually give you characters that you can pull in in the final battle that will help you. Um, some of them are not just side quests. Some of them are part of the main quest that you have to do. But there's Aaron and oh, I can't think of the name of the kid, the brother to the Teb. girl from the Teb. Yeah. Well, is not Teb, not Teb, the the girl oh. from the Proving. Because Teb is the 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 seamstress. Yeah. Um. V- Varl. V a r l. Yeah. Yeah. So you have your friends who are helping you fight this giant machine at the end. You take them down, and then the final scene. Well, one of the final scenes where you take out Hades. The reason why you're able to take out Hades is because you have the Omega clearance, like I said earlier, and like the Potato was saying, but also because Silence helped you attach the Omega Clarence to his spear, a very special spear that Silence made. Now, this becomes important here in a little bit because we find out a little bit later that Silence isn't as um, as good of a guy as we thought. So yeah, you, you take the Omega Clarence, attach it to Silence's spear, and she stabs basically what looks like an eye port mm-hmm. for Hades, and immediately goes into a cutscene, and I can't remember for some reason what the cutscene was. I've, uh, I got you. She's getting electrocuted. And, yep, and I think it's also a link between her and the tower, or the spire as well. And a giant um, manifestation of Gaia appears next to the tower, which is completely encased in red. And she says, like, Alpha Protocol, uh, override, something along those lines. And says, do you want to... Uh, do you want to proceed show authorization? And Aloy says, yes, Elizabeth Beck, Alpha Prime. Um, and that cleanses the subroutine of Hades. It, it terminates Hades' function at that point. Um, the tower, there's a very bright light. The tower kind of erupts into this blue, giant blue like uh, light. This cleansing light just washes over the land. Um, there, yeah, it shoots it shoots up into the sky. It's uh, kind of like I'm trying to think. I'm trying to uh, think of Halo. Like right as the uh, the supercarrier in Halo Two goes to war or goes to slip space, there's that vi- very large explosion just minus the disrupt- destruction, and we see all these ancient machines that were coming back to life suddenly just shut down. Uh, all the tribesmen that were trying to fight them are you know poking at them with sticks, making sure they're dead, and uh, we see Aloy does in fact survive. Well, we knew that because she. Uh, there's going to be a DLC here pretty soon. Um, yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm excited for that. Um, we see a brief cut scene where she actually leaves the spear, like Green said. Um, 
and she goes and pretty much you know signals that the battle is over she holds her bow above her head there's a lot of cheering people are clapping you know she runs into her um friends on the hill that have survived and things like that it's a uh it's kind of a nice there's, there's a little bit of a, there's more to come but that's pretty much like the end of the threat of hades at this point i'm not 100 percent sure if gaia is now reactivated at this point or she's like begun her rebuilding well, gaia prime can be rebuilt yeah. inside of the the, the master yeah so she can be brought back but she's not yet it's just her function that was the master override or the omega omega okay, clearance yeah. is what shut him down so the final final scene we get um elizabeth's journal and you hear gaia talking to elizabeth sobek and you see aloy walking and they you see Aloy walking towards this kind of run-down farmhouse type place with lots of flowers and mm -hmm. beautiful green grass and everything. And you hear the story about um, Elizabeth as a child and how she what is it? She set something on fire. Yeah, and it killed. And it killed. Uh, it burned a tree and killed the birds in the tree. Right, and her mother was telling her that basically being smart will count for nothing if you don't make the world better. You have right. to use your smarts to count for something, to serve life, not death. And this whole scene, you see Aloy just see this character that is sitting up on this bench or propped up on this bench, and you realize that that is Elizabeth Sobek, or what's left of her remains inside mm -hmm. of this metal machine type covering that she had made her way back to a home type place after saving everybody and making sure that the the gates were closed or the doors were closed so people wouldn't be attacked by the robots and then the screen comes out and you see a giant triangle which is kind of the the motive motif of Gaia and the AI and stuff like that and then you get to oh there's a globe trinket did you catch that one the little globe mm -hmm. that she pulls up yeah mm -hmm. that's that's a super cute thing and then we we see silence and we see oh we don't this see guy. silence we see hades so you see some tribesmen going to poke at different things and one of the things that went up and poked was hades corpse essentially this this ball that's dead and he doesn't quite get to poking distance, but he gets pretty close, and you see a stream of red light shoot out of the corpse up into the air and takes off over the landscape. And it goes into a little lantern-like device that Silence created, our good old buddy Silence. And he essentially says some of the most ominous things I've ever heard in-game. He says, hello, old friend, remember me? We have so much to discuss, so much you never revealed. Your masters, for example, the ones who sent the signal that woke you. Knowledge has its rewards, don't you think? Well, let's begin. And that's the end of the game. And it cuts to a giant machine in the background. The oh my, oh God, it's terrifying. It's a great ending to the game, and it makes me furious at the same time. But yeah, that's that's the summary there's so much like yeah. little things we can there's unpack so but much. that's 
that's the rundown of it. Uh, yeah, it uh, it's and that and that's and that's why I'm really happy you're here, uh, Green, because I was jumping around to dig into to go back and forth with it because everything kind of connects at some point. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it goes into like I mean, there's I mean, you haven't even touched on the topic of the different tribes and how they interact and their social their social structure and social ladders, how they uh, inter- interact with each other the the different weapons the machines themselves like the difference between the machines that are in the world now and then the machines that are being brought back and just like the the design and aesthetics of each one and how the machines that we're seeing now um are most of them are for terraforming processes but in the game lore some of these machines are actually showing up for the first time and there's a reason for that and it's actually has to do with another ai but yeah there's just so much to dig into um And you can, we can kind of go into that a little bit if you have if we have. Oh yeah, we've got time to do that kind of thing. One of the things that I think is most interesting is the fact that most of the tribes are incredibly religious, some more so than others, but they mm-hmm. they have this very tribalistic idea of what's going on. They see the machines, but they don't understand that it's a science thing. But Aloy does. Aloy understands the mechanics. She doesn't understand exactly how it happens, but she knows there's a reason for it, that it's not. um, So a character that's brought up a lot in the beginning is Aldmother, which is the the goddess that takes care of the Nora tribe. Aldmother basically refers to the sun, a sun goddess who brings life to everything around you, which obviously brings to mind Gaia. Mm-hmm. But the Nora themselves are super uber suspicious about anything that's not considered natural, hence not being able to go into the machine world, the banishment of Aloy or like the outcasting of Aloy because she is not born by a mother. Um, there's one particular uh, elder who just does not like Aloy at all. And she's kind of a pain in your butt at the opening for the first 19 years of your life because she just her and some of her croonies are not very kind to you she never does anything to hurt you but she's just very biting old woman there's so (laughs) many fun things to unpack religious aspects the mechanic aspects the game mechanic aspects i mean there's so many fun things in this game justin i really think you need to get it yeah, I, that's kind of what I'm getting. It's a pretty good story. So, yeah. all all the machines are create were created by Hephaestus, weren't they? Uh, Hephaestus, yeah. Uh, well, the terraforming machine. The original machines, were yes, the ones yes, the death uh, were yeah, excluding form, excluding yeah. the the post event machines, mm-hmm. the new ones. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so all the the original ones were. Now, Hephaestus was literally not the knowledge of what to make, but how to make. Yeah, he was Um, the the subroutine that executed the command to make them. Right. Mm -hmm. Gaia had free control to create whatever she wanted or whatever she needed. That was the main command is create what you need. And so everything that was created has a purpose in the world, kind of like uh, Potato said, there were some things that showed up later that you didn't see before, but they had a purpose because of everything going on. Oh, that makes sense. To, to expand on that, like when that signal came down and act, Hephaestus sees 
he doesn't he doesn't outright like think humanity is like a complete um humanity as a threat to his machines um and therefore he that's why they the machines started getting a little more aggressive originally before that happened the machines almost avoided humanity like uh deer avoid a hunter you know if they if they hear him they run away they're very shy they they weren't they weren't aggressive um after the event the unknown signal that caused gaia to have to self-destruct in the activation of the ais or the, the subroutines into ais um Hephaestus started saying okay you know we can play a little hardball now you know he they started getting a little more aggressive he also noticed that as humanity was hunting the machines for supplies and materials and resources he started developing um pretty much combat ready machines not on along the lines of like the pharaoh plague type machines but that's where we get the thunder jaw that's where you get that big tyrannosaurus rex um looking machine that's where you get um where is it the the stalkers like the 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 combat the tiger yeah, the, the yeah, t- uh, yeah the, the, the stalker the ravager the sawtooth the stormbird thunderjaw these were all machines that were there was supposed to be combat they were supposed to defend herds of the other machines the terraforming machines from humanity and that's why you'll see in the game you'll see a you know um what are called uh, like shell walkers or striders and uh, they're like these grazers, these things that are like tearing up the soil and terraforming. You'll see that they're guarded by some of these combat ready machines, the Thunderjaw, the Sawtooth, the Ravager, and they're, they're there to defend the herd. And even watchers. Yeah. The watchers weren't there originally. The, the watchers were there put into, to effect as scouts along with the uh, the long leg which actually is probably one of the coolest like tower map reveal mechanics i've seen in any game ever it's um, a giant brontosaurus with yeah a with a giant head. with a yeah the flathead and you actually have to like find a place to climb up onto this thing and climb up its neck and act, and it, it keeps walking around while you're doing it but it reveals large sections of the map kind of like the uh, towers did in assassin's creed okay um, so there's actually different there. classes of machines Yes, too, mm-hmm. I was just about to hit you with that too. Oh, cool, cool. Well, yeah. hit away. Uh, the terraformers, like I say, the terraformers encompasses all the machines. You have the terraforming one, grazer, the broadhead, the charger, the trainer, and the rock rig. These machines are there to help plant life thrive. They're you know they move dirt, they pick, they reset, they pretty much are resetting the planet. Um, you have purifying type machines, which is along strider the snap maw and the lancehorn and these are actually uh, designed to assist sub uh, the sub functions of poseidon and aether uh they were there to do, to purify water they were there to you know filter out toxins and things uh, in the atmosphere in their marine biosphere pretty much be able to make sure there's fish again make sure there's whales and sharks and all this um you have recyclers which is recyclers are really kind of cool because you can see how thought out this whole process was when they when they made this terraforming program um recyclers fall into the scrapper and glint hawk and these are literally machines that go out and if like a machine breaks down or it has like issues where it can no longer function the scrapper will go out recycle all that stuff and bring it back to be reused by the cauldrons glint hawks are almost like uh they're almost look like vultures like really huge vultures and then the scrapper almost looks like a, I don't really know what boar. you call it. it looks like an, yeah, like a boar, a very angry boar. Um, you go into next, you have the transport class machines. These are machines that are designed to bring materials here and there between cauldrons or wherever they're needed 
help with the terror. You have the shell walker, which looks like a, a crab with a giant container on its back. Um, fire bellowbacks and freeze bellowbacks, which almost look like the Spinosaurus from uh, Jurassic Park. But instead of having a spine on its back, it has this giant canister and they, they can breathe fire. They can breathe like this freezing, uh, which they call chill water. It's almost like it's to help uh, facilitate functions in the uh, atmosphere or clear out large uh, swaths of land that need to be burned down to help rejuvenate the, uh, it's like pretty much makes forest fires and things like that. So it rejuvenates itself. Then you go into the recon class machines. These machines are really simple, but they started showing up um, a little bit more in, in force once the AIs became, or the, the subroutines became AIs, but the watchers were originally used they were there to find land that was suitable for terraforming. Like, you know, not the whole, the whole planet wouldn't be able to be terraformed at the same time. So the watchers would go out and find a place that this place is good, report back to Gaia, Gaia would send the machines. And then obviously the machines that are newest to the, newest to the, the, the front are the combat class machines, which are your sawtooth giant saber tooth tiger. Um, the ravager, which is like a, a, a different form of the sawtooth except gun. And it's a little bit faster. The stalker, which is like this this machine that it almost looks like a jaguar that can turn invisible. Um, that thing's a big pain. Stormbird. Um, Stormbird, these massive hawks, like these, or they almost look like eagles. Oh, it's a thunderbird. It's a Native American thunderbird. Yeah, that's what it. Because oh. that's what it's. It's defending the mountain. It's defending the top of the mountain when she's going in to get into the Omega Code. Oh, so I didn't even look cool. at. Oh. Yeah, I, well, it's it, it hangs out near uh, near where uh, Meridian. Mm, mm-hmm. They also First, have kind of a religion that ties into like that Native American yeah, Thunderbird very type much tradition. So. And they have all these all these names of the machines all feel like they were named by some sort of indigenous right you know, yeah tribe of people. It's they're all of the names are indicative of like the the machine's appearance or its, it's uh, t- or its function yeah and like the, uh, the, yeah the first time i wrote across the uh, pretty much in my backyard which like a uh, green said earlier is kind of ironic for me um <laughs> the stormbird yeah i was riding across the desert and i didn't even see the thing and you know all i heard was this like, it's really like loud caw thing and i look up and i just instantly dead spewed across the desert i was like what was that <laughs> and I was like, and then I just decided to go the long way around at that point because it kept killing me. Um, it shoots off lightning from its wings. Oh, it's, that's it's, it's, things amazing. Super cool. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, I have it up on my screen here, and the thing, I, I don't think I've even. <laughs> it's, it's they're hard. They're hard to take down. I'm actually getting a very strong land before time vibe with the naming of the animals here. It mm-hmm. has that, but there's also <laughs> names that you would recognize. There's obviously the AI are based off of the the god functions of different um, mythological backgrounds. You have kind of the Gaia and Apollo and Minerva and all these yeah. different god names. They describe exactly what their function is. There's a few that are a little bit more obscure than just your normal greek or roman gods but they're still very descriptive of what they originally were like eleuthia eleuthia is the pre- uh, preservation of the human genome so that was literally the subfunction that took all the cloning material mm-hmm. 
yeah, and you can actually the which which subroutine the the machines serve actually kind of speaks to their purpose too. Right. Yeah, like um, I actually took a thunder jaw down today, and it was like I think only one of the few I've ever taken down. And the but the the thunder jaw is probably like one of the. I mean, it's like the the motto. I wouldn't say the, or the mascot of the game almost next to Aloy. Like you know, it's the thing that really grabbed people's attention when it was first shown. You know, these these the, all these machines are beautifully rendered in game. The, the set. If you play this game, play it with headphones. That's how I play, and. It, it the sound coming off these machines every single one is very iconic like, you're like okay that's a watcher okay that's a sawtooth okay that's a thunder jaw you know you can tell what these things like the, the sound design in this game is gorgeous and we're getting I mean, i'm getting off topic but yeah the the machines all have like this very important purpose i mean they they, they don't they're not good and they're not evil they're just they're doing a job and they're being influenced by obviously outside factors they can either be really great allies which you do have the ability in game um to override the machines and have them fight for you so you can like override a thunder jaw and have it fight another thunder jaw um you don't gain pretty, that right away that's something you know you don't know after it's it's like a character progression kind of thing you have to go into you, your characters or aloy discovers these places called cauldrons and cauldrons are like they mentioned in the uh, Project Zero Dawn, they're a function of Gaia and the subroutine Hephaestus. And they're pretty much the the forges that create these machines. They're almost like giant, massive 3D underground printers, except they use like electricity and obviously way more advanced technology than we have now. Um, if you wait at the end of the game and look through the credits, when the credits are rolling, you're literally flying through a cauldron area multiple times. Mm-hmm. It just kind of cycles the same progression, but it's beautiful to watch. Oh, it's yeah. interesting. It's you can see all the different parts working and like maneuvering throughout the cauldron, delivering mm-hmm. things, and it's it's a really neat cutscene at the end that it's active that's the other thing is that that is an active cauldron so for some reason hephaestus if hephaestus didn't die with gaia or if gaia isn't dead somebody or something is making more machines if they're not they're not done they're still creating so sequel or at least dlc we've got some stuff coming in i want to be a little bit of a nerd here it's like i actually sat and watched two or three minutes when I first, when I went into my, I, I think it was making a bellow back or something like that, but it was just so interesting to watch like the animations of these like things, just kind of making this, making this machine like right in front of you. And it was, you know, again, the sound design is unbelievable. Um, Blue Thunders in chat, he's asking about, that's actually a pretty important, uh, I would call, it's called a subterfuge that really played into the, uh, the plot a little bit but at least the the plot beforehand if you want to talk about that what did he ask uh he he asked if we've talked about operation during enduring victory oh yeah so uh that was the orbital launch base outside of bryce utah so so that was the no that uh, was that was where project zero dawn started i think right but the operate that's when they had the meeting that's where they had the meeting for that it's the staging area um so Mm -hmm. enduring victory is kind of disturbing because what literally (laughs) happens 
um, is Elizabeth Sobeck and Faro, and Faro's the main mouthpiece on this, describe to a bunch of generals that have been gathered in this area that what the situation is and literally say that they just need time bought. And the generals like are arguing, like saying, um, can you can you give can you put out machines? Can you put out drones? Can you put out all these different things to try to prevent men and women from going out there? And literally the way that the Faro machines can work is they can corrupt. They can they can take over any machine that they throw at them. So they literally have to put and sacrifice hundreds of thousands of people to stave mm-hmm. off the machines long enough for this uh, Horizon Zero Dawn or for the program to be completed because there's no saving the human race anyway. They already knew that the human race was going to be completely wiped out in this event. But they, in order to survive past the event, not even for them to survive, but for the human race to be able to come back, they have to sacrifice and put people in the way and essentially lie to people to get them to go and try to stop the machines, saying that it's possible to stop the machines when they know it's not possible to stop the machines and so they create a a war to try to stave off everything and sacrifice everybody in the process project zero dawn was actually revealed to the civilian population as essentially as this super weapon that would save humanity the horde it would you know it would tend the tide or you know, turn the tide we would uh, we would win and it was just a big farce you know and that was actually there's actually a section of the game where that is revealed that the uh yeah like bless uh bless you just said in the chat put a railgun in the hands of every able-bodied citizen and um you know go fight why we work on this super weapon here and there's like there's a section of the game where you finally are revealed that project zero or enduring victory was just a you know a big scam essentially to save state save time until zero dawn could be completed and there's a section where you can go into the game and it actually you find data points which are actually audio recordings of these counselors talking to these scientists that were brought into the zero the zero dawn program and it was revealed to them that hey we're done like enduring victory not going to happen like zero dawn is literally a reset and we're going to lose. Um, and there's actually like the, this counselor is talking to these different scientists and they're like, they're in different states of like, you know, psychological shock, essentially they're, you know, one's like, Oh, you know, I can't believe this is happening. And the other one's like, is finds out like Ted Faro was to blame for it. So he gets really upset and is like trying to, you know, make his way out away from the counselor, you know, and they're 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 freaking out and then they and then they finally ask them like hey do you want to be a part of this project and a lot of them were like yes and other ones say no you know and it's just this really kind of this psychological gut check in the middle of the game and you know Aloy is really torn up about it because she thought project uh zero dawn was like uh you know life survive life survives they they did it they did it they did it but it's in the name yeah (laughs) and yeah it's in the name um you know, and Aloy is like refusing to believe it until literally like the hologram of like says, you know, this is what Zero Dawn is. It's not a a save all. It's literally a reset. And we're gonna build we're gonna build the technology to re terraform Earth and give humanity essentially a second chance. 
and yeah, that was, again, it was a gut check. I was sitting there going, Oh, okay. That's interesting. You know, um, isn't it project bright? To- yeah. Justin bright, bright tomorrow. Um, <laughs> it makes you wonder, I mean, what would you do in that situation? If you knew that the entire human race was going to be ultimately destroyed and that there was no stopping it. I mean, and you were had you had to make the decision of I if the only chance that we have to have any sort of impact on the future and to make sure that the rock that we live on that is called Earth is not just this desolate husk. uh, Yeah, just with machines, completely machine taken over rock for the rest of eternity. I mean, what would the decision that you would make? Do you, do you think you can make the decision to say, yeah, we're gonna put we're gonna put a railgun in people's hands and send them out there to to die, to sacrifice themselves, to buy us time? It's a there there's a there's a meeting that United States and the other generals and uh, Elizabeth Elizabeth's there and she's you know they're pretty much proposing the idea and the generals are like not having it. The chief of staff is like, listen, I don't like it either. But we need, like, we need, this is all we've got. There's literally nothing else we can do. And it really, it really does a good job of, in, of instilling this sense of hopelessness, even though, like, you know, these characters have been dead literally thousands of years, or, uh, you know, at least a thousand years at this point. You know, it, it shows you the desperations of the time. And it's not just, exper- it's not just uh, emphasized there. It's emphasized in other parts of the game. You can go to these places called viewpoints and... It actually it gives like a holographic representation of what the area used to look like. There's actually one that kind of threw me for a loop is when I realized this it actually was where I thought it was in the game. It actually shows like a holographic rendition of Colorado Springs. And I'm like, okay, that's just creepy because I'm pretty sure I'm not I'm just going on like a spin foil thing here. I'm pretty sure one of the roads that is in that image is actually a road called South Nevada, which I live off of. Um, it's a really nice touch. Yeah, it really it's is, and so much depth to it. They they did a very good job instilling that, and it, and those holographic images are audio recorded guy who's pretty much like reliving his his life. He's like telling his life story, and he tells it. You know, he's like um, a pocket crap storm day nine. You know, and he's talking about like how everything's going down the tubes, and how he wishes he had. You know, he had done something differently with his wife with his parents and stuff like that and so you really just get this overwhelming sense of just doom and it just really brings that old world and makes you see what they went through um bluster i see in the chat there where are those viewpoints if you look on the map they're they're represented by an eyeball symbol you have to go to them and then scan them with your focus and it'll bring up the image and you can i think press triangle It'll bring up the audio and the actual visual. But yeah, it's, I don't, I mean, I don't even know where to go from there. There's so much you can dive into and we can do three or four episodes too. Oh yeah, like even just the the holographic replays of the last, like I don't even know if they're the last few moments of people's lives. Some of them are, but some of them mm-hmm. are just like really eventful moments. Like the very first one you see is this father saying uh happy birthday isaac it's daddy like, loves you 
yeah, daddy loves you. How's my That's how they man? open the game. Yeah, it's one of the openings. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's, you can tell it's kind of a semi sad moment because you mm-hmm. can kind of tell he's, he's recording it. But at the same time, is Isaac really there? It, it you just get some really heartfelt emotional tie ins for any kind of emotional tie in. There's so many different ones. Um, one of the most gut wrenching scenes for me is when you discover that it's where Apollo is supposed mm-hmm. to be. And you see that there are children or children that were brought back from um, that were created by Eleuthia and the, the subroutines. They were supposed to go through the Apollo program, but the Apollo program was deleted. And so they, they don't understand. All they have is some of the subroutines trying to tell them and guide them as best they can without having the knowledge base to be able to teach them anything. And they have to be restricted in this bunker until the terraformed world is safe enough for them to be able to go outside. And they're compl- it's a fallout scene. It's literally fallout shelter, yep. but played out very personally. And you see these different moments where you see a, a boy and a girl get in trouble for being on bunk together. You see just these they're mad because they can't go into this door because this door is blocked and so they destroy kind of things around it and paint red marks all over it there's just so many nice emotional touches that pull you more into what happened not just from a mental standpoint but from an emotional standpoint because you see what the people went through so good uh just to kind of get like it's just like what those people were going through and kind of going back way far than that before the whole is just kind of give you like an idea of what the old world looked like it what um the apocalypse stuff never really started happening i believe until i want to say like 20 2080 something or something like that i don't know something uh, let me see here um well at this point it's like it's earth is pretty much going is going to going is going the way of the the dodo um envi- there's a lot of uh, environmental catastrophe 36 new zealand is submerged under the uh under the under the ocean um climate refugees are going all over the place and that's when pharaoh kind of comes around and starts like trying to fix everything with the technology and it looks like everything is going to be okay obviously until the pharaoh plague hits by 2055 the u.s armed forces disband all combat forces in favor of fully automated military this gives you an idea of the like technological advancements these guys were going on um if you play when you play the game you look at the world the everything is you hear like this one guy say he's like he's like oh yeah i've got all these uh these old like original hard copy media of stuff and he's like what you didn't digitize it you know because the whole world at this point was like it was holograms everything was hyperspeed you know hyperspeed interactions between people um he's know. a hipster man don't hate on his records oh no it's not like that but i mean like you know <laughs> people were yeah um but yeah people were like you know what do you still have that old media for you know and things like that um they were trying to build uh, a colony ship they were like literally trying to build earth's first colony ship called the odyssey um they were trying to get it into orbit to try to go to other worlds other solar systems like the the civilization was essentially thriving but one of the things you really see is kind of like this overtake of corporate interest i noticed that a lot in a lot of the uh a lot of the little like lore grimoire stuff that they have and 
and it was really interesting, you know, seeing like, oh, the corporations can now influence political things legally. And, you know, now the, a lot of the military stuff is all run by, uh, machines, essentially, you know, the United States Air Force, yeah, 2045, the United States Air Force going to be 60 to 70% automated. The US Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs was offered a three uh, was offering a level 300 class on the age of human air power. Like, you know, it was offering a class on, you know, what we have today, you know, single double seater jet fighters, you know, and but now they're all automated by drones. I mean, this world is super technological and so for it to just collapse under itself like that is just really kind of I can't imagine what it would have been like. Fun. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's really it's really really well thought out. That's all I can say. This is is this billed as a as a title frame as a standalone or as in a series? Because I know they're they're planning on making a second one, if I remember correctly. Uh, let me see if I can find the DLC. I can't remember the DLC. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, there. This is really really extensively fleshed out, and and seems to have. The the potential to have at least, you know, two or three games. It's called uh, the DLC is going to be the Frozen Wild. Nice, nice. So I'm guessing they're going to go north is where I'm thinking they're. Ooh, so it's going to be some uh, Banuk stuff. Yeah, going to happen. Yeah, they never really they touch on the Banuk very lightly in the. They're only kind of like uh, they show themselves once or twice, but they're not really uh, big. Like, so yeah, like, actually I was just I was looking at some of the some of the uh very rare outfits and I was looking at the Banuk Ice Hunter. Mm-hmm. And I can kind of see like maybe some similarities between that one and Silence's attire. Yeah. Um uh, that actually is interesting. It brings it brings up a good little uh transition into and like how they dress and like their like uh green was saying earlier it's kind of like their social interactions with each other including like their religion or how they you know look at nobility and things like that where the nora i see a very big uh, native american influence um you know a lot of furs pelts things like that they're uh very re- they're very religious in the terms of uh the machines and the old world and things like that the karja i kind of get a uh a mayan kind of like south american uh, early civilization kind of feel off of them, and then you can see in like the sh- uh, the shadow Karja in the uh, eclipse that are almost like offsets of them. Um, they have like very similar garb, but the eclipse kind of have like almost like an African death mask kind of thing going on. Um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely there's a lot of stuff that we can go into. You could probably make a podcast by itself on Horizon Zero Dawn. There's enough to go into as far as the social interactions, the AI, the the Horizon Zero Dawn project, the different scientists that came in from all over the world, what their thought process were. I mean, we could we could break up and make this a multi-episode type podcast itself in and of this one game. It's mm-hmm. easy, 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 easy to do. Super easy. Oh, the Banuk figure is nightmare fuel. I just need for that not to exist. <laughs> it's just like an effed up llama. But I mean, yeah, like the tribes, you can you can talk about the tribes and their soul. I mean, I know that's all people want to 
really dig that into that on their own. And yeah. Yeah. Well, we got that. We've got to leave something for the update. Yeah. There you when go. we come back. <laughs> that and if you, I mean, like Potato said, if you want to jump in and find out more about it, definitely jump into the mind map. Uh, it's been fleshed out pretty, pretty darn well, I think. The people who have worked on that pretty extensively, which cough was not me this time, but I watched them. I did a lot of the other research this time. I didn't do the mind map so much this time, but all the, all the, uh, all the hard work that went into that is pretty extensive. It's not conclusive because there's still a lot to dig into within the game. But if you want to get some really good connection stuff, just just dig into that. Yeah. And if you really, really want to, I'm sure we could twist Blue's arm and call the Allfather back into this and have him make a room dedicated to just Horizon Zero Dawn within our Discord chat. So definitely come into Discord with us. If you've never talked to us before, come into Discord and pester Blue and say that we need a Horizon Zero Dawn chat because I'm sure he would be New so... rooms? New rooms? Yeah. Uh-huh. It's not pestering him. That's that's what his subroutine is made for. That. <laughs> We should, yeah, we should make us a, a bot called Hefet. <laughs> yeah. No, don't, don't tempt me. Don't tempt me. <laughs> He'll do it. Oh, to the makers of things, please make it be. Well, I think that's a pretty good place to wrap up. Yeah. Justin, like do, you, do, you, like do you have any shout-outs or anything? Yeah. Yeah, I do have a few shout-outs. Um, um, big shout-out to, I believe it was yesterday... If I'm not mistaken, our very own Blue Crew 86 turned undisclosed. It was his that birthday. That would require calculations that I'm not quite comp- comfortable yeah. making at this point. You, Are you, you 30 have... yet? Oh, I'm past that. Okay, cool. I, I, I'm not that salty then. Um, but uh, yeah, by happy one. birthday, Blue. I'm, I'm past to... it by one. Yeah. I meant to uh I meant to tell you that the other day, but I was like he doesn't even know how old he is. He didn't care. Like <laughs> yeah, I can tell him when we see, podcast see that, that that tail end of that comment is exactly true. <laughs> and and then in true blue fashion, um it's his birthday and he sends me a bunch of presents. Um mm-hmm. I got I got a shirt and some friendship bracelets and some pins. <laughs> it was amazing. And then and then yeah. and then you have <laughs> jake over on twitter just send me your address i'll send you more i was like is that all it takes i'm gonna get some (laughs) jake from jake i'm a little jealous i tweeted about her already don't be jealous um (laughs) so yeah yeah just a big shout out to to uh blue and green and also big shout out to potato glad to have you here um really happy to have you and Green, who actually know what's happening with this franchise, and, and be able to school me a little bit. I want this to be a novel. Um, I would yeah. really like this. This then I would actually know what's going on. It's it sounds it's like a great cool. story. It's so um, cool. But yeah, yeah. Just thank you, thank you guys for carrying us. Potato, do you got some shout outs for us? Uh, yeah, I just really appreciate you guys letting me come on and uh talk and rant and break up my uh incoherent sentences sometimes uh yeah just really enjoyed being here 
thanks for everyone who's in the chat and in the discord and things like that. Love being here. Love you guys and keep listening. Green, what about you? I want to thank everybody in chat for being patient with me and my my little setup is to, a little weird tonight because I'm having to call in on my phone and sit outside on my porch. So um, thanks for putting up with the, the rambling about the Horizon Zero Dawn. And thank you to uh, Mr. Potato, Mr. Infested Potato, who I got to meet at Guardian Con and give a great big hug to. It was, <laughs> it was fun being able to talk to you again. Yeah. Kind of this time I didn't, have to, uh, I didn't have to like turn and realize who you were. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was loud. It was loud at the Wings place. But uh, last shout out goes into Book Club. And if you haven't read up to chapter four in Starship Troopers, you need to start doing that because it is really cool. Yeah. I, I, I will have to say that I actually read Ender's Game right before this so I have a very mm, weird mm, yeah. setup into reading Super Trooper or not Super Trooper, Starship Super Trooper Trooper. <laughs> I don't know, that'd be a great book that'd be a cool book Calm <laughs> down <laughs> Meow Meow, right meow oh. You boys like Mexico? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah Somewhere Robert Heinlein just turned <laughs> I've been saying Super Trooper in my head every time I, I want to say no, Starship Trooper see, for the see, last it's time. Actually, it's actually... Starship Troopers! There you go. Starship Troopers! That drop is the most aggressive one by far. <laughs> when you first brought the topic up, Green, I actually took my headphones off. <laughs> yeah. Preparation for the loudness. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. it, <laughs> I need to I need to jump in there too because I'm actually rereading as we go. So um yeah, I'm I'm at least up to chapter four. I think I'm a little bit farther. So Yeah. We're doing about four chapters a week. So it's actually pretty low stress as far as how fast you have to read it. Because the chapters yeah. aren't terribly long. I think the oh, first no. four chapters are like maybe eighty pages or so. They're really mm -hmm. detailed though. They are. Like, yeah. Well, yeah, and it's it's really it. cool because like the the entire book is, if I remember, I don't know if it still is, but I know that it used to be required reading at West Point. Actually, really? yeah. You're and kidding? For, me. Nah. Yeah. It was one of those huh. little trivia things. I don't know. I I don't know if it still is, but I know there was a period of time at, at that it was because of like the presentation of um the tactics and everything like not not like just like the 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 social you know balancing and political balancing and stuff like that yeah that's I what someone that. asked not me. not said, to mention that, that like Heinlein is <sighs> and and i said no yeah, it's, it's got military tactics mike <laughs> yeah i was like it's got much more of an intellectual socio political vibe to it but um <laughs> it's got a much more it's... intellectual vibe to it than <laughs> yeah. Hey, you lay off my boy Casper Van Dien. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, I'm rambling now. Read the book. Get the book. Um, if Oh, yeah, this will be good. Blue sent me one that was absolutely gorgeous. Oh, yeah. Feel, the, feel free. Oh, oh, oh. I, Send us I pictures of freaking, them. I'm a sucker for vintage sci-fi 
book covers. In fact, I have a collage in my office. I'll, I'll tweet a picture of it of someone made me a collage of these postcards that are vintage sci-fi covers. Um, and I thought I had every Starship Troopers cover until Blue was like, ah, ha, ha. Just, <laughs> gotcha. so, so and mine's in a plastic me. bag too. It still has the, the little protective. Someone tweeted, they're like, oh, you have it in plastic. We're like, uh, yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not putting this thing on just out in the middle of nowhere. Air will not touch this cover. <laughs> this... <laughs> so good it's got a death trooper on it it's amazing oh it's so nice uh, well anyways guys but yeah uh, my shout outs just real quick next topic is obviously going to be final fantasy yes the, the chat is probably already shoulder deep in that game because you know demo the story is rather complex on that entire All series 15 of them. <laughs> oh my god are we including I, my... Kingdom Hearts stuff as canon? Because I don't no. know. No, no I think, we're not. I think... We're doing main titles. Yeah, I think we're okay, just doing good. main titles. Because, yeah, if you start if you start doing secondary titles, you're just, you're signing yourself up for a trip down headache lane. Um, and then, yeah. There's a series line about the birds. The Chocobos. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, yeah. Yeah, Ugh. there's 15 titles, main titles, so yeah, we're we're gonna have our hands full already. It's gonna be a two day, like a two day event. But yeah, so if you guys have any questions or comments or you know any thoughts on it, be sure to if you're not gonna jump in Discord, um, be sure to email us uh, or message me on discord or send us a tweet we are we are using the hashtag ask ffc um just to help track those over on twitter uh but again whatever is easiest for you guys over there and i apologize i i did tweet out just a minute ago um my my quietness on this episode was actually due there was something that came up and i've actually had to step away from the mic a couple times so that's why i've been so quiet um, I will be, I will be editing this. Uh, it will be actually a little bit delayed in the release of the audio episode and obviously the YouTube episode. I'm going to try to get it out, you know, hopefully pretty soon, uh, but it will not be as quickly as I normally get these out just simply because it, it's not a huge emergency. It's just something that came up that requires my attention. Um, and so I'm going to have to just go back through more with a fine tooth comb than I normally do. Um, and that obviously will add a little bit of editing time. So just keep that in mind with you, everyone. And yeah, do you guys you guys have anything else, or are you good to good to run through the outro? Let's do it. All Roll right. that beautiful bean footage. With that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us for the live streaming of the episodes, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Links to all our other sites can also be found with our episode archives over on www.focusfirechat.com. Thank you again, Potato, for jumping into the chat. We really appreciate having you, and I'll be sure to get links to you in our show notes for anyone who wants to continue chatting with you. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any feedback or questions for our team concerning the podcast, and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback over on iTunes. Reminder that we do try to stream a recap of the month-long Extra Lore conversation in the first week of each month, but if we have any variations, we always make sure to let everyone know through our Twitter account, at Focus Fire Chat. 
Also, be sure to check out our partner podcast within the Guardian Radio Network over on theguardiansofdestiny.com. So, until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright. <laughs>